Welcome to the Christian Business Concepts with your host, Harold Milby. Christian Business Concepts is dedicated to guiding companies and business owners in becoming effective, efficient, and successful through God's Word and godly principles. Now, here's your host, Harold Milby. Welcome to today's podcast, folks. You know, I'd like to talk to you today about the fact that God wants you to prosper, that He does indeed want you to prosper. But why? Why does God want you to prosper? Is there a difference between worldly prosperity and godly prosperity? You know, how is it that we can be prosperous? What do we need to do? Is there anything that we can do to to hinder that? Is there anything we can do to help that along? So that's what we want to talk about today, because if you're a business owner, God does want you to prosper. And we're going to talk about that today. If you're a business owner or a person maybe who's in management or has a role to play in a business, the first thing that I want you to, want you to know is that God wants and desires for you to prosper. Did you know today, or, or I want to say in actually in 2020, in that year, in that 12-month period in 2020, that over 1.7 million people became millionaires? Over 1.7 in one year were created. At this point right now, at the time of this broadcast, there is approximately 22 million millionaires in the United States. 22 million, just in the United States alone. So let's look at some scriptures uh, that make this case that I'm trying to get to you. So in Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever they do prospers. What a great passage. That's for you and I. That is for you and I today. God wants us to prosper. And if we will delight in the law of the Lord, if we'll meditate upon his law day and night, that'll change our life. It'll change the way we think. It'll change the way we act. And when that happens, you'll see that we'll be like that tree planted by the rivers of living water and that whatever we do will prosper. In Psalms chapter 35, verse 27, it says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So God takes pleasure in our prosperity. According to 2 Peter 1 and 3, it says, according as his divine power has given unto us all things. Say that out loud. All things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. So he has given unto us all things, all things, not just spiritual things, but physical things, all things. He's given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Let's look and see what Jesus said. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I encourage you to read and study the whole chapter, uh, uh, chapter 10 of the book of John. But in 10 and 10, it says, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. If you have a red-letter edition Bible, you're going to find out that this passage is in red because Jesus said these words. And he goes on and he says, I am come 
that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That word abundant comes from a Greek word that means superabundant. It means excess. It means beyond. Now, that sounds like God wants us to prosper. Now, I recognize that there's a balance to prosperity. I get it, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But what I want to get through your mind is that you can prosper and that God wants you to prosper and that he is blessed when you are prosperous. So God is not, nor has he ever been, a God of lack. He's a God of abundance. There's never been a passage anywhere where God says, well, I'd like to help you. I just don't have the resources to help you. You know, as you study the parables of Jesus, if you study the parables, just look, take, take a few examples out of Matthew chapter 13. You know, one of the business owners is a, is a farmer. I, you know, I, I grew up, uh, you know, working in the summers on a family farm. You know, we had a dairy farm. We had, a, we had some beef cattle. We had pork. You know, so we, we raised pigs. So we, we had a business. It, it was a family business. We had employees. We had managers. It was a business. And so farming is a business just like any other business. You know, uh, he had, uh, in one of those examples, was a vineyard owner. So here's a guy that owned a vineyard. There was another one that had a, a fishing business. And he talks a lot about that in chapter 13. And he speaks a lot about multiplication. You know, God is a God of multiplication. That's what he does. Go back to Genesis chapter 1 and you'll find out that, that God is a God of multiplication. You know, he wants us to prosper. He wants us to prosper. Uh, so, you know, I believe that there's two types of prosperity. I believe there's a worldly prosperity. And this is, ta- this is when you take what you have and you, through your own abilities and your own talents and your own luck and your own education, and you create prosperity. Now, that's the world's prosperity. But then I believe there's godly prosperity that takes what God has given you and through his laws and principles brings true prosperity to your life. See, the worldly prosperity relies on your work and your efforts. Godly prosperity relies on God's ability uh, and his abilities that he uses on your behalf. Huge difference. It's like the difference between the Old Covenant and the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was all about, uh, you know, the, the people or our commitment and performance toward God. But in the New Testament, it's the opposite. In the New Testament, it's about God's performance and his commitment to man. That's what grace is. You know, that's the one thing I'll tell you. You can't earn this prosperity. Godly prosperity relies on him to use those talents and abilities and resources that he has given you to bring true prosperity that will affect every area of your life. Worldly prosperity provides resources where that you can purchase health, you can purchase peace, you can purchase you know, a, a nice home. You, you can do those things. Godly prosperity brings prosperity to your finances, but he also prospers you in your health, He prospers you in your mind. He prospers you in your family. He prospers you in your business. It's so much greater than what the world has to offer with regard to prosperity. You'll not have to buy these things because they're part 
of true godly prosperity. I'd much rather have God's prosperity, God's prosperity, than I would the world's prosperity. So here's a wisdom seed for you. You can never earn godly prosperity. It is given through his grace, just like salvation. He came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. So you can never earn godly prosperity. It's given through his grace. Part of salvation, part of our salvation, when you study God's word, you'll find out that part of your salvation is prosperity. It's just it's part of it. And and I will you you will never find in God's word. You'll never find in God's Word where God wants people to be poor. He doesn't even want them to be poor for for a short period of time to teach them something. That's a false teaching that's went through the church at times. Well, God's wanting you to be poor. God wants to teach you. Well, not all Christians can, can be prosperous. God wants some of them to be poor. I don't believe that. That is not his desire. So I believe that this wisdom seed applies even if you're not a business owner, but for every person who is an employee or a manager, God wants you to prosper. You know, there, there's there's no question about it. Now, I could, I could spend a lot of time trying to make the case through God's Word that, that He wants you to be blessed and prosperous, but I want to focus on what I think is the most important wisdom seed a business owner needs to know and understand about godly prosperity. And, uh, you, you know, I think there is one additional passage that I think, as we talked up there, I didn't get to mention this, but, I, I, you know, I, I thought when I read that scripture about God takes pleasure in the prosperity of a servant, you know, I'm one of those kind of people that you watch a game show and somebody wins the new car, or they win a big, stock, a big pile of cash. I get excited for those people. I'm not jealous. I'm excited. I love to see people prosper. I love to see people blessed. I'll tell you something else. I have never worked for a poor person in my life. I've never worked for a poor person. They've always been a very prosperous person. Poor people can't hire you. They don't have any money to give you. And so I get excited when I see my my family. If I see God bless them in a great way, I celebrate with them. I get excited about it. You know, other Christians, they struggle with that. I, I know when I was a pastor, and any time I bought a new car, whether it was a used car or a new car, I think I've only bought two new cars in my whole life. But if I would get a new car that I paid for, then there were certain people in the church that stopped giving offerings and stopped giving tithes. Why? I, I don't really know why other than the fact that they, they didn't have the ability to celebrate, you know, with me. And that would go on for a couple of months, and then those people would start giving again. You know, so for whatever reason, they didn't understand the fact that God wants us to prosper. He wants us to. So let's let's talk about, you know, this one particular thing that I think is so important for us to focus on, and it is a wisdom seed. Stewardship precedes prosperity. Stewardship precedes prosperity. There is never a lack of resources in God's kingdom. God is a good father. He provides for his children. The problem is, in my mind, the problem is a lack of good stewardship. As I mentioned, the wisdom seed, you can never earn God's prosperity. However, you can hinder it by not being a good steward of what God has given you. And stewardship goes all the way back to the beginning. It goes all the way back into Genesis chapter 1. In verse 28, 
the word of God says, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So look, the, the, one of the first things that he tells Adam and Eve, he says, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, have dominion. So what, what are we talking about here? He calls them to be stewards of the earth. They were to manage. They, they were to grow. They were to multiply, to be fruitful and multiply. That's what they were called to do. That's why I say that God's a God of multiplication. He talks about it here in the very first chapter of the book of Genesis. So, and, and here's the other thing. God has put that into people. He, you know, when you're born again, you know, it, just in human beings in general, God has put this desire to grow and multiply. Grow as a person in every area of your life. I mean, who wants to just sit and not grow? Who, want, who doesn't want to get better? And so God has put in us that desire to grow and multiply, to be prosperous. So when we talk about stewardship, there is a spiritual law. There is a spiritual law that actually goes with this whole idea of stewardship. There's lots of laws in, in, in God's Word that, op, that, that operates, uh, but one of them is the law of stewardship. And so we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but I'm actually thinking of a passage um, in Matthew, and so I'm actually going to uh, turn to that passage. I didn't have it in my notes, but I, 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 wanna, I actually want to uh, read that briefly. So we're going to go over to Matthew, and uh, we're going to go over into chapter 25. And we're going to start reading in verse uh, 14 of chapter 25 of the book of Matthew. So let's go there. We're going to start in 14. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. Now, keep that in mind. That's part. This is a great passage to study and write notes in because that's very, very important. God doesn't gift everybody exactly the same. The gifts and talents that God gives you are very personal. They're based upon you as a person, your personality, your history, your experience, your education. God uses all of those things. And it says, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. So he doubled it. So that's the law of multiplication. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. Again, he doubled it. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and reckoned with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, you gave me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five more. And his Lord said unto him, well done. So God will tell you, well done. You did a great job in prospering your business or prospering in your life. His Lord said unto him, well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. 
And then he that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I've gained another two. He told him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he comes to the third one. It says that then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, here's the one that you gave me. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Boy, that's pretty severe. You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine with, with usury or interest. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which has ten talents. For unto every one that has shall be given, and he shall have abundance. Again, prosperity. But from him that has not shall be taken away even that which he has. And cast you that unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. that I mean, it's really powerful when you really think about it and apply it to your life. But that, that whole parable there talks about the law of stewardship. So first of all, let's talk about some things. First of all, stewardship is commitment to God. That's the first thing. It's commitment to God. Next, stewardship is commitment to others, not just ourselves. When we're talking about being good stewards, we're talking about committing to other people. You know, Romans 12, 4 through 13, it says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, or, one, or he that exhorts on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without simulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectionate one toward another with brotherly love and honoring, preferring one another. Not slothful in, in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, and giving to hospitality. So it's not just a commitment to God, it's a commitment to others. So that's part of it. Uh, stewardship is also responsibility. First Peter uh, chapter one verses four and ten through ten it says, "Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, by what, by these promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness." And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, not just in you, but they abound in you, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. Never. 
never fail. Stewardship is also accountability. You know, now maybe you say, well, I own the business. I don't answer to anybody. Really? You know, you're accountable to the bank. You're accountable to your employees. You're accountable to your management team, or you should be. And more importantly, you're accountable to the Lord. So we are all servants of the Most High. Uh, We are to be his managers. It's not just about managing money. It's about managing your time because that's a gift. It's about managing your talents and abilities. It's a gift. It's about managing the grace that God's given to you. It's about managing your testimony. It's about managing God's truth. It's about managing the new life that's in you. It's about managing your spiritual authority. Are you exercising your authority in your life? It's also about... uh, you know, managing your motherhood or fatherhood in whichever case. So, you know, that is extremely important. So let, let, me, let me just kind of tell you the story about Tom uh, McGann, uh, uh, Monaghan. You know, Tom lost his father when he was very, very young. Tom's mother put him in foster care because she didn't feel like she was equipped to raise him on, his, on her own. Um, he had a pretty tough childhood early childhood. It was tough. But eventually, he was reunited with his mother, and he went on. He graduated from uh, high school, and then Tom uh, enrolled in college in Michigan. And to help him go through college, because his mom didn't have a lot of money, to help him go through college, he scraped up enough money to purchase a little failing pizza restaurant. So, he decided that he would try to help this restaurant, you know, get get better and do better, become profitable. And uh, so he soon began to see that he kind of had a knack for it. He was all about efficiency. You know, Tom had, had a gift that God had given him, a, a gift of efficiency. He just knew how to make things efficient. He knew how to make a pizza quicker, better. He knew how to have the right ingredients at the right time, at the right place. I mean, he, he just was very efficient. And because of this gift and everything that got in, uh, that God placed in him, you know, the business became very profitable. And then he had to make that decision, okay, am I going to invest in what I'm doing right now or am I going to continue to go to school? So he dropped out of college to, to actually continue to build this business. And 30 years later, Tom had over 5,000 franchise locations, and his company was responsible for 54% of all pizzas that were delivered in the United States. The name of that company is Domino's Pizza. Now, Tom had a very religious upbringing, a very religious upbringing, uh, you know, in his in his past, but he never really brought the Lord into his business. His success gave him the ability to purchase homes all over the world. He had a helicopter. He had a yacht. He had a 2,500-acre golf resort that he had purchased. He actually even purchased the Detroit Tigers. I think that cost him $53 million when he bought the Detroit Tigers. It seemed in his mind he had made it. He had become a success. He was very prosperous. But then he read this book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. And through this book and its discussion of pride, he felt he had spent his life as the prodigal son, and all he was doing was seeking the attention and accolades of everybody else. 
And the, even though he declared his faith in God and was a, he was very generous, he realized that his God was really himself and his reputation. This epiphany caused him to make this huge change in his life, to understand what true prosperity was. So he made the decision to sell everything he had ever purchased that gave himself pleasure or that he purchased for selfish purposes. He stopped immediately the construction of his new 20,000-square-foot home. He sold the yacht. He sold the helicopter. He sold all the other homes. Uh, he sold all the gold watches. And he gave most of these proceeds to the church. He helped start a Christian college. And then in 1998, he sold the company to Bain Capital for $1 billion. He has received a revelation of why God gave him such great success. And in the last few years, he's been quoted as saying that his goal is to die broke. So he recognizes this great responsibility that we have as stewards. He understands that it's not it's, it, the, the things that he has is not his. The things that he has doesn't belong to him. The things that he has belongs to God. In, in, the, in the long run, it's all his. It belongs to him. The Bible says that the earth, all of the earth and the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to God. It's all his to begin with. All I'm going to do is manage what God's given him and what God's given me, what God's given you. That's what our desire is. Well, look, our time's up for uh, this week. I'm going to continue this message next week, uh, and we'll finish this up. But I want you to understand, and I declare in the name of Jesus that you will prosper. I look forward to talking to you next week on the podcast. See you then. Thank you for tuning into this week's Christian Business Concepts podcast. Go to ChristianBusinessConcepts.com for more information and resources. Be sure to check out other podcasts that will help you take your business and your personal life to a whole new level of success.